0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: For once, you don't have to fake being sick. You don't need to get a vasectomy. No, this year you can finally have some March Madness without any making any strange lifelong decisions. It's that sort of day. as we They're get you reversible, ready? reversible, just so you know. Case anyone's I mean,
2: listening, if you if it, if you really don't want it to be lifelong, it is reversible.
1: Well, that's a you know, and I'll tell you, an entertainment attorney, a friend of mine, years ago. Had a vasectomy, and uh, then he had a second attempt at it, and four kids later, it still hasn't taken. Ah, so you know so what? So you work
2: with Antonio Cromartie, is what you're telling me. <laughs> he had the same thing. That man was born to breed. <laughs>
1: One, one second he's a star NFL player the next second he's representing dorky bands it's Spain and Fitz on ESPN <laughs> radio the ESPN app Series XM channel lady Sarah Spain Jason Fitz we're presented by Progressive Insurance and all of our guests tonight we got some great ones going to join us on the Goodyear hotline now one thing that we do want to address and we'll get to it in just a little bit later in the show when it comes to the NCAA tournament is some controversy uh, around I shouldn't say controversy some players using their voice uh, coming out and making demands of the tournament on things that they want to see happen uh, a group of players have come together and made that statement we are going to get the latest on that and some analysis on that in about an hour from espn's dan murphy he'll give us a sort of the what's going on there in the meantime sarah The NCAA tournament is underway as we are today getting the first four in games. We're trying to get a a sense of normalcy. And that's the best way I can say it. Like, I'm sitting here realizing today how much different the world feels, remembering that, as I said the other day, Virginia is our defending national champion. Like, no tournament last year has almost been glossed over in my mind. And I don't think I realized how different it felt until now when I'm watching and saying, hey, we are finally at this spot where, you know, you close your eyes and you imagine, and it feels like we're in a normal NCAA world.
2: Yeah, I keep vacillating between normal and not, though, because there's a part of me that says, yeah, fill out your brackets like you normally would. Get excited. You you know, most people are going to be home, so I I can imagine that the work from home is going to be very suspicious, right? (laughs) You know, you're going to be able to get away with watching a lot more basketball than you would if you were in an office. But I was listening to Greeny today, and he did a little diatribe about, you know, the best ways to fill out your brackets, and he was using statistics that were really, you know, rooted in something. You know, every year an average of three 12 seeds or lower advanced past the first round. It's this percentage of time that the final four doesn't include all one seeds or two seeds, like all this great stuff. And I was listening and thinking, man, I got to go in and check out my bracket, see if I'm following some of these rules. And then I thought, but do I want to follow the averages of every other year? Or do we think, that this year is different in terms of you putting more stock in the very best teams to thrive because they've already proved they can handle the bubble or COVID or whatever. Is it wilder than usual where you have less confidence in the best teams because COVID could hit at any time? So I want to ask people uh, listening, too, because I want to get other people's suggestions before I decide whether to fiddle with my brackets or not. So I'll put the poll up on, on Twitter, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz, and just see if people are using their traditional strategies or like doing things differently this year.
1: This is the one thing I can be 100% certain of this year, Sarah Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, Spain and Fitz. The one thing I am 100% certain of is, you know, Nostradamus. Like, I'm not a big Nostradamus (laughs) guy, right? But afterwards, after there's a huge event, everybody says, oh, but if you look back on what he told you, we should have seen from this one weird that's what we're all going to do after the tournament <laughs> if it goes chalk we're going to look to say hey if you look at the way 2020 was and the basketball season that led into 2021 right. of course it went chalk if it's total chaos we're going to say well of course it was total chaos look at everything we got like we hindsight will actually be perfect as always in this like it will be crystal clear and everybody will think everybody else is an idiot in the meantime i
2: mean it's like the it's like the bucks though remember the entire conversation heading into the NFL season which whichever team has the most um you know, certainty from last year to this year. And we're like, well, the Bucks are going to struggle. You know, new quarterback, do like all this stuff. And then they won the Super Bowl. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, this we're year. We're not always I'm... right,
2: I guess, is what I'm trying to say here. Breaking news.
1: <laughs> it, it, well, and as I tell everybody, every time I get, you know, anytime I make a prediction and it's wrong, the number of people that just come flocking to Twitter to remind me of my uh, idiocy. The one thing I remind <laughs> everybody in response to that is if I could pick all of the games correctly, like. If I could get the NCAA tournament nailed down and make money on it, I wouldn't have to have a job. I right. I'd just sit back in the books and and own my own small island. So uh,
2: I was actually just guessing. I I saw a clip of Jay Billis like straight to camera on social media. Like, why should you listen to me? I've never been wrong. I've gotten every pick right, and it was just so obvious. Like, there's no like it, that's everybody. We're doing our best, right? Like, they're absolutely watching games. Their opinion is much smarter than mine. But you never know. That's why you play the game. That's why you play the well, game, Bits. And- that's what they say.
1: Sarah, by the way uh not only is her opinion much greater uh than than mine, we all know that. Uh, her name is too. Uh, you can look for Sarah Spain's group, and that's the one I'm in. We're, we're hanging out together. It's Sarah Spain's group. I should rename my bracket, you know, Sarah's uh, luggage. Sarah Spain's co host. Yeah, Sarah th- Spain's that, co-host. That, There we go. Uh, so, Sarah Spain's group is where we are going to be together uh, going through this. You can get out there. Uh, you can still do that all the way up to Friday at noon. And it, it is funny to me because so much of this feels so normal, but also feels so different. Like, I think about watch parties and all of that, and the annual. You know, this is when I find out where True TV is. Guys, watching Practical Jokers, it's a great show on that network. You should watch (laughs) Uh, it. Oh, Fast Foodies. Uh, Fast Foodies, my new obsession. I actually
2: watch a show on True TV now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) See, but, you know, at the same time, it is interesting that it all feels different. And I found myself going through the bracket saying, okay, I'm just going to use what little common sense I have and I'm just going to apply it quickly so this was the fastest i've ever filled out a bracket it was a a quick look of texas michigan going texas that that was the 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 gut of my analysis here so we'll see how it goes for me did you do anything different this year when putting your bracket together
2: i did what i always do which is i spend the entire season carefully taking notes during every game (laughs) that's so Mm. funny no that's not what i did actually i'm so sorry Uh, that's close to what i what i actually did is i just found someone that i think is really smart and i almost copied their entire bracket and made like two changes
1: That's not a bad idea. I just find
2: expert brackets, and then I'm like, you, I trust you. You, You, you're going to just fill it out for me. And then every once in a while, I'm going to just be like, let me just change this little thing here and this little thing here completely indiscriminately and for no reason so that I don't have the same bracket in two spots. (laughs)
1: So, basically, you're telling me that what I should have done is applied the very, like, logic that got me through all of high school. You know, the number of times it's like that's what you answered on that quiz? Good. I'm I'm going (laughs) to do that, but I'm going to make my math look just a little bit different. Like, I don't know why I've never thought about doing that on the brackets. I need all the help. I could possibly get. Uh, in, in the meantime, again, you can get out on Twitter uh, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz. That's where you can get uh, in, involved with uh, – we've got a poll up now uh, to find out what your strategy is. Plus, you can get logged into the tournament challenge and then go find uh, Sarah Spain's group. That's the way to play against us. Uh, <laughs> I'll post that will, on Twitter
2: too, the link.
1: We'll just see how that goes. You know, uh, I'll post her group as well, and that's uh, – <laughs> it, it's, it's how we'll get, get through all of it. Uh, in the meantime, there's other big news coming across the the spectrum today around the NFL and it's hard news with Deshaun Watson as allegations have begun to fly uh, that have led to civil lawsuits, uh, I can't find the word, of sexual misconduct. So we're going to break that down and give you what we know now and sort of break down how to approach it. We'll do that next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
0: Spain and Fitz,
1: the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM Channel 80, Progressive Insurance, I love that song. I gotta all listen of our guests, to more of that
2: album. Everyone's been saying like it won all these awards, and I I've just never dived in outside of when I happened to hear it on the radio.
1: Yeah, it is a a spectacular. I'll give uh, Golik Jr. all the credit uh, when it came out. He was the one that was like, "This thing is landmark," and so I I turned it on thinking, "Okay, it's gonna be okay." And no, it has it owned me for much of uh, the last several months. Uh, all of our guests, by the way, join us on the Goodyear Hotline tonight. We got some big ones coming up. I'm just saying Megan Rapinoe going to join the show. So, you know, we we got some big stuff coming over the course of the next couple hours you won't want to miss. But let's start with some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And that comes in the form Sarah of the uh, the other big story today, not uh, the NCAA tournament, but the NFL story that has uh, rocked a lot of people. And uh, at this point, Deshaun Watson has been accused of uh, sexual misconduct from nine separate women that have filed civil lawsuits in the in the court system. Uh, accusing him of, during massages, uh, inappropriate behavior, uh, that that it's wild to read it. It's uncomfortable to read it, and you look at it and you say, my God, I think when you look at certain players like Deshaun Watson and somebody that that uh, so many of us have such a high regard for. You see these things, and it's sort of it's eye opening. Now that all leads to a really difficult conversation in these situations. And I was excited to get to work with you tonight, so that we can have that awkward like conversation. I really like those in life right now. Like I'm trying to figure out as a person the right way to cover something that is an accusation that still gives honor to the the victim, but also doesn't throw the accused under the bus. I can't find that middle ground. I, I guess I'm looking for your guidance on how to approach this.
2: Well, let me start by telling people that, of course, there's a desire to comment on everything. That's how we live now. We don't read the story. We read the headline and comment on it. We don't watch the show. We just see people talking about it on social media and chime in and realize later that everybody was very clear that, that we weren't actually invested in the in the commentary. We just wanted to be involved. And most of the time, that's pretty silly, but doesn't cause that much harm. The problem with needing to comment immediately on something and be the first to talk about something when there aren't any facts is that it creates the kind of atmosphere that influences whether in the future people feel comfortable reporting these things or in the future whether people jump to assume guilt in a situation purely based on an accusation when they should, of course, wait for an investigation and facts to come out. So what I would offer is that for those who do the work in this space, what they push for, there's actually a full website and a campaign for it is the idea of start by believing. That is, despite the fact that many people refuse to listen to this next sentence, it's important, that is not in conflict with the criminal part of innocent until proven guilty. It's just a reminder to listen to and respect both sides and avoid the most common thing in these cases, which is to victim blame or to attack. The reason that we say start by believing is because unlike other crimes, like if someone shows up and says my house was robbed, my car was stolen, yada, yada. Usually the response is, okay. let's get all the facts. Oftentimes when women show up and claim domestic violence or sexual assault, they are accused of lying. They are not supported by police, schools, family, friends, loved ones. They are further victimized by a lack of help and support. So you start by believing both sides. And then you move from there, waiting for further evidence and facts. And unfortunately, a lot of people aren't willing to do that. They're looking to the victims aren't public now, fits. So guess who they're going after? The one person who is the lawyer. And I'm not saying I know anything about this lawyer or whether any of his background is relevant to the truth of these instances. But the fact that immediately people are trying to use that person's credibility to automatically say that they know what happened here is exactly the problem. Same goes for people who are presuming that Watson's guilty simply because he's been accused. The key is to say in our business, we want to be first. We want to always have something to say. And sometimes there's nothing to say until we have more facts. It's certainly a very disturbing situation. The fact that there are now up to nine women who have uh, been a part of these accusations, nine total cases, there are three civil suits filed Previous two are related to two separate incidents, and then there have been some added in, in recent hours. Um, that, of course, is a very worrying thing, but now we wait. I think
1: worrying is uh, such a accurate word right there. Uh, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. And, you know, I, to me, I look at all of this, and one of the most difficult things to do, you, you mentioned, is the in the process of trying to figure out, okay, how do we believe both sides, right? Like, how do we make sure that we're essentially... The best way I can describe it is pressing pause on everything and saying, Mm -hmm. okay, we now have something that we need to get to the bottom of. And rather than make any judgments one way or the other, we're going to pause it, we're going to move it off to the side, and we're going to let it get more information. We're going to let everybody get more information. That's such a difficult thing for anything in society. I'll go back to waking up on Christmas Day in Nashville, and there was a a, a bomber uh, in downtown Nashville that destroyed much of the city on 2nd Avenue, places that meant a lot to me. One of the things that was happening in that immediate moment was everybody came up with a theory on why it was happening, how it was happening, who had benefited some massive conspiracy on this and that. It it was maddening for me to watch as I sat there and, and with my friends said repeatedly, hey, guys, why don't we wait and see what information we get before we make any presumptions? What makes this even more difficult is that in situations like what we're talking about with Deshaun Watson is we have an accuser. Uh, we have a group of accusers at this point, and we have an accused. So everybody involved in this is going to be through either through a lawyer or through their own social media trying to convince us of their innocence mm-hmm. or guilt, which way, whichever way it goes. The hardest part in this is to step back and say, okay— Obviously, there is a conversation to be had about what this means for Deshaun Watson and his trade value, and there's a conversation to be had about the Texans. But first and foremost, the conversation we need to have about Deshaun Watson and the accusers in this situation is a very different one and one that we can't really have until we have enough information. So where's the line between filling three hours of radio, four hours of radio as so many of us do with you know some level of presumption based on what we're seeing versus stepping back and saying, OK, we just got to sit down, shut up and color in our books and wait.
2: Right, I think the problem is that uh, people who either feel pressure from people on social media to speak about something, there are people in my mentions. I can't believe you haven't sent me. I'm like, there's, I'll say something, and the something will be there's nothing to say yet, right? Um, or from bosses because it's it's a news item, right? So you you should cover it. It should not be ignored, but you should cover it in a way that equally represents the that both sides are going to have their own facts and, and come forward and try to convince us and, and that we need to wait on it. Um, One thing I'll say that has made this easier for me in the last couple of years, and specifically when it relates to Deshaun Watson, who, as you mentioned, is beloved as a person in the community, not just as a great player, but as a, as a, as far as everyone's concerned, super nice guy. And the problem is if you make your decisions on how you think a situation went based on what perception you have of someone publicly, you are ignoring the fact that there are plenty of criminals that are very charming, right? And that's what gets in the way of Bill Cosby or Michael Jackson or whoever else. We we get so distracted by their fame and their talent and their skill that we presume that those things coincide with a natural goodness and morality. That's not necessarily true. And so whether it's Deshaun Watson or Sean White or – uh, Louis C.K. or any number of people um, that you think is fantastic and great and wonderful. If your general rule and approach is that no matter who it is, you are going to reserve judgment and wait until the facts come out, then you don't have to pick and choose when it happens to someone you care about versus when it's someone on the other team or someone that you don't like. You just use the same approach for every single person. And it's very freeing. It's difficult early on because you really want to defend that comedian that you like or that musician whose music you like. But once you decide, I am not in the business of protecting anyone who does these things, I'm going to treat everyone the same until we know, then you don't have to really do that fight in your head. You just just wait and see. And then if there's enough proof out there, then you have to decide for yourself, do I still want to like this person's product or game or whatever it is about them? Um, that's an individual
1: thing. Well, and that, that's smartly said. By the way, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz Spain, and Fitz. Don't forget to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Uh, you can get that wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Sarah, it, it's so difficult. And I'll go back to my Kobe. And, and I, we've we've talked about this in the past. But uh, there was a period in my life where Kobe was not only my favorite basketball player, is my favorite athlete in the world. And you know, my my sort of sun rose and set around Kobe Bryant and all things Lakers. Uh, obviously the Colorado incident uh, was one that was jarring for me and it changed that. Like it changed the way I rooted for uh, Kobe. It changed the way that I rooted for the Lakers. It's changed my NBA fandom. Like there's a part of that that, you know, you can't really put that toothpaste back in the bottle when you've Id- idealized someone, idolize someone, I should say. Uh, mm-hmm. And I deal with it all the time on the music side as well. The hard mm-hmm. part is that every step of the way is going to bring difficult decisions. Like, can we right now have constraint as we try and figure out how to look at what's going on? And then, Can we take the information that we're given and and accept it in a way that is fair to everybody involved? Like, these are all different conversations that happen along the way. Like, none of it is transparent. None of it is easy. And that's what makes it difficult. Like, right now, the easiest thing for everybody to do is sit in front of a microphone and yell one way or the other about it. We're just not going to do that on this show because we don't have anything to yell about. One thing I know is that accountability is not something anybody's ever backed away from, and we won't in this instance But let's get information before we do any of it. That's some straight talk. Straight talk, wireless, no contracts, no compromise. We'll keep you updated as we get more information on the latest with all things Deshaun Watson. But coming up next, one of the top head coaches in college basketball is going to join us. We're going to get into all things NCAA tournament. You'll hear it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
2: Back to Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with you on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Don't forget to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Sometimes we have some cool pre-parties and after-parties, digital-only content that you can only get on the podcast. And, of course, if you ever miss the show, all of it is there. Uh, So we're going to throw to an interview, and I have to mention we did not tape this today. And I'm only saying that because if we did, we would be asking Dawn Staley— about what's going down in the women's bubble at the tournament. We're going to get to that later in the show, uh, the discrepancies between what the women have and the guys on on the men's side in Indy. But uh, we taped this uh, yesterday, so we will not have that. But good stuff from Dawn Staley and that South Carolina team. So uh, let's, let's get to the interview. Coach Staley, you're running a diary for the undefeated, and a couple of days ago you wrote, nice teams don't win championships. Why do you think your team uh, comes out in games so
3: passive? Well, I mean, part of it is they're young. You know the other part of it is um, they're young and they don't really understand you know the big picture. And the big picture is, I mean, our team has been good for for a lot of years. You know, over the past couple of seasons, we've we've had uh we've had great teams, and we've you know we've kicked a lot of people's butts, mm-hmm. and they're they're coming under that. Like everybody wants to you know kick our butt. And it has, it has nothing to do with um, them personally and everything to do with the success of our program. So they don't really understand that. They got a little taste of it last year, but they didn't really get a chance to play in the SEC, sorry, the NCAA tournament. Um, but all those teams that we play are, you know, NCAA tournament bound and they want they want to beat us and, I don't think our players always approach it the right way. They like to get hit first and see, okay, let's see what kind of match it's going to be and, you know, how I need to operate now that I've been hit versus uh, being on the offensive and being dictators.
1: Coach, I think it's interesting because you mentioned, obviously, no NCAA tournament last year. How does that impact you guys going into this year and trying to basically hammer home the message of seize this moment
3: given there was no moment last year? I mean, they're just excited. You know, they're they're super competitive. You know, they want to play and win at the highest level. Um, and sometimes it just takes experience in doing that. This will be their first experience doing it as far as as a young team, but not, you know, other, other players um, who are older. They've been to NCAA tournaments, but not, you know, playing the role that they have to play for us. They are starters. They are people who are significant contributors to us and will play. Um, A lot of minutes for us, and that's something that's different than what they've ever been through. And that's the entire season. Everybody came in with a different role and have to, and having to do different things for us this year. Um, so it's taken us some time to really figure those things out. But I, you know, I just feel like it's time out to play the nice, you know, the the nice role. We, we got to, we got to add a little nasty to it, to what we're doing and, and, and play with that chip on our shoulders.
2: Gamecocks get nasty. I like it. We, we got to put this on some T-shirts, right, Coach? We got uh, South Carolina yeah. head coach Dawn Staley with us here on Spain and Fitz getting ready for the tournament starting on Sunday. Uh, you will be without your only senior player, your top bench player. And, uh, you know, that veteran leadership, uh, obviously she'll still be there. She'll still be cheering you on. But how big of a loss is that?
3: Um, a, a huge loss for her. Um, You know, she she has the most experience on our team. Um. She, you know, wanted to go out with the bank, didn't get a chance to play in the tournament last year, doesn't get a chance to play, you know, her final year. And it's hard. It's hard, but she's got to play a different role. Again, it's all all about those, those, uh, you know, role plays. She's got to play a different role, and that is be a leader, cheer for our team, make sure your teammates have everything that they need to be successful, and do your part. And it's not... It's not what we want all the time, but it's sometimes what the circumstances calls for.
1: Coach, earlier in the week, we were talking about uh, some of Jay Billis' comments about you know, the mental aspect of this for college basketball players in general. Coaches go home at the end of the night, and these kids have essentially been quarantined and not able to have any sense of normalcy. You've been around the game so long. What's the mental fatigue been like on players this year compared to years in the past?
3: You know, I... I, I we, we've always wanted all of our players and teams and athletes to be mentally tough, mentally tough. And COVID does a, a great job of challenging us every, every single year, uh, well, every single day with testing, with just, you know, sacrificing, being with our, our families, our, our teammates for that matter. Um, and they're, they're tough. They're going, to be, they're going to be better players and people because when we come out of this pandemic because of all the things that they've had to do and the discipline that was needed for them uh, to be able to play and play the game that they love. So, you know, hopefully something good will come out of it. You know, those seniors that will go on to play in the WNBA, they'll need to be mentally tough. Um, and those players that are coming back, they're going to have to be mentally tough because everybody's gotten better in that area. So that means that we're going to see better play. Um, next
2: year it's Spain and Fitz Air Spain Jason Fitz we're talking to South Carolina head coach Dawn Staley her team earned a number one seed in the women's bracket the tournament begins on Sunday this is a wide open year I've heard experts say up to a dozen teams that could win it all five different teams sat at the number one spot in the AP poll throughout the season does that speak to the better parity and the sort of rising tide lifts all boats kind of you get those couple big programs for a couple years in a row and then um it just it just makes all the other programs have to work harder to keep up and allows us to have this wide open field we see this year
3: Well I, you know it, it is wide open you know and you know our our, our game actually deserves it. just that you know that you know everybody having an opportunity you know forces the decision makers to have to cover everybody, and not just yeah. cover one or two programs that have been pretty good throughout the, the years. years, um, because there are a lot of great stories in our in our game, and we've been missing a lot of them because you know we you know that the powers that be choose to you know choose to stay with one narrative throughout the whole season, but now you know that there's parody, There's a lot of stories. Look at me. Look at the. The selection show yesterday. Mm-hmm. We I learned so much about different programs across the country, and it makes our game great. It makes our game, you know, grow to a place where people are interested in um, other stories that, that that our game gives us. So I think it's cool. I think anybody, even, you know, us, I mean, we, you know, we're in the mix of, of, of one of those teams being um, in a position to win a national championship one of them. I'm glad it's not just us being the overarching favorite to win. That's like I'm glad it's not UConn. I'm glad it's just not Baylor. It's every single NC State. you got Texas A&M. you got Maryland. you got all these great teams. Um, and it just sets up a great NCAA tournament. Just the fans being able to anticipate. You know, all the fan bases are able to participate because they really feel like their team has a chance to win. Coach,
2: we look forward to watching the tournament. And, of course, you, like you mentioned, one of those teams that's in the mix. You were the first to end that four uh, straight wins for UConn back in 2017 when uh, South Carolina took the championship. I'm sure you'd like to get back. Uh, good luck, and uh hope you got a lot of Netflix shows queued up for your for your time in the bubble <laughs> there.
3: <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate
2: it. Don Staley, South Carolina women's head coach. Goodness, she she got a puzzle in the women's swag bag. It was one of the very few items. We'll get to that and some other aspects of what's going on in the women's and men's tourney bubbles. It's Spain and Fitz brought to you by Goodyear. Celebrating March deal days with month-long service and savings, visit GoodyearAutoService.com for offers. Coming up, we'll get into those issues coming out of the bubbles Why it should matter whether someone gets a 500-piece puzzle and someone gets 150. We'll get into it next. ESPN Radio.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
2: Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Don't forget to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast on the ESPN app, podcast app, iTunes, etc. ESPN is presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together, so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Uh, we put out on social media, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz, a um, question about how you're filling out your brackets this year. We also want to know how you're watching the tournament, uh, if it's different, because you will presumably be working from home and won't have to be hiding it from your bosses, or as we said before, you don't have to get a vasectomy, so you have an excuse to sit around with peas on your crotch. Uh, someone pointed the out week now? the difference between last year and this year is a big, vast difference. <laughs> get it? Because that's. Wow. Hard to
0: get snipped. Wow.
2: Gosh. Okay. It was a reach. Uh, either way, we want to hear how you're watching the tournament this year. Uh, one thing we're already watching before either men's or women's <laughs> tournament has already begun. Yeah,
1: we're just going to gloss over that? I mean, that's just... A, okay. Listen,
2: I can be work professional from home It's saving a lot of y'all's vast deference this year. Is all I'm saying. Wow. Wow. You know, just keeping you intact for now. Um, oh, we are watching an emerging <laughs> story that started with a Stanford women's strength and conditioning coach who posted a photo of... Uh, I guess it's a sports performance coach, Allie Kirshner, posted a photo showing side-by-side pictures of a giant conference room center filled with weights and equipment at the men's tournament and a tiny weight tower at the women's tournament. Now, that was bad enough, right? Looking at the discrepancy where it looks like there are tons of amenities available for the men and the women have almost none. Now we're getting video. And when you zoom out and away from the weight tower, it's a giant room. So the response that they gave to this problem, which was predominantly that they didn't think they had enough space for these facilities, now is absolutely absurd. It was dumb from the beginning because you should be proactive instead of reactive and understand that when you're putting together and designing this bubble, you should have plans for equipment and otherwise. But to argue in their statement This is due to the limited space, and the original plan was to expand the workout area once additional space was available later in the tournament. However, we want to be responsive to the needs of our teams. We're actively working to enhance existing resources at practice courts, including additional weight training equipment. You start outfits with one stationary bike and one weight tower, and then you try to pretend it's about space, and then someone just walks in and shows you a video that you have an entire Conference, Like somewhere where you would hold a conference with booths everywhere full of emptiness? What are we doing here?
1: The, the stupidity of the NCAA here is alarming for a couple of reasons. Number one, even if they don't value women's sports, that's fine. If you're listening right now and you think, well, fine, who cares about what? Uh, fine. Even if that's where the NCAA comes in, they have to understand the way this will be perceived. So even if they don't value women's sports, they should know that they should at least pretend to value. To come in and be so blatantly just dismissive of what they need is stunning to me because they had to know in today's social media age that this would get out. And if they didn't know, then they're living with their head buried in the sand. The other part of through through all of this is what the hell else have they been doing? I mean, when they talk about limited space and, and the, the complications, what else has the NCAA been working on for the last uh-huh. several months other than making sure that it's a perfect bubble scenario? Why would you ever have agreed to put the women in a bubble that couldn't handle better workout facilities to begin with? And if you knew that that was what you were signing up for, why would you not address the challenge head on a get ahead of it. Tell everybody what you're in the process of doing. No, instead they just buried one little weight set over on the side. That frankly, half my friends own more weights than what they're mm-hmm. providing. Actual women that are trying to like an, an education a, a, a schools number one job is to prepare people for professional life at some point, right? what are they doing to help any of these players prepare for anything? It's, it's disgusting for the NCAA to have done this and then to think they can sweep it under the rug. And if they think that they can just come out with a blanket statement and all will be forgiven, then they really do think we're all stupid.
2: Fitz, you're so right. And it's Spain to Fitz air Spain, Jason Fitz, even if they didn't care. And even if, and I don't know the rules on this, even if title nine requires them to have equal facilities, which it might, let's say none of that existed in 2021. You're going to have to at least be smart enough to know that people are going to be watching this and paying attention, that there's going to be photos and videos of your quote unquote bubble, just like there were for the NBA and the WNBA. So the fact that they didn't even think about it in advance for the purposes of PR and optics is bad enough. But digging deeper and saying we really don't care enough to have the kind of equipment that, like you said, most of us now have at our house from the last year. Right. So not only was it not a problem with space because there's plenty of it, it was a problem of just not caring. You have however many, well, 60, 68 teams with one stationary bike and one weight tower. Come on. And you look at the men's and it is decked out. It looks like a full scale gym. You are showing us that you don't care. And don't say it's about money, because even if you want to argue against Title IX and whatever else might be getting in the way there, that there are people willing to sponsor the men's or vice versa, you will not be able to convince me that you don't have the money or that you couldn't find the sponsors to give you more than one weight tower. Like, it's comically absurd, the look of the women's facility.
1: Even if another sponsor won't get involved, at some point the NCAA has to get involved. At some of point, course. you have to look at it the and amount say, of money "Okay, you're
2: making off this. Come on." And,
1: and and again, I'll go back to picking the 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 site. I mean. You have to look at it when you 're doing a site survey for anything you know one of the things you do even if you're you 're putting on a concert like you can only go into certain arenas because it has to have the a large enough setting for you to hang your lights and your video mm-hmm. walls like you can 't just go anywhere you have to you eliminate half the arenas in most towns depending on the size of the tour you 're on like the NCAA had to start with a is there enough space here for everybody to live in this bubble? Is there enough uh, space for us to be able to provide everybody with what they need for practice? Can they provide the workouts necessary? I mean, if you really thought that every every woman involved in this bubble was just going to work out with that one rack of weights, then you're basically saying that by the end of the tournament, you're going to have people that aren't in any shape to continue to play basketball. Like, There's certain things they have to accomplish through the process of rehab, through the process of staying in the right fitness, through the process of making their game better. You've eliminated all of that by selecting a location that doesn't allow you to do it i mean that's just that's too stupid for the ncaa to have done that so the only conclusion i can make because i don't want to think they're that dumb is that they just don't care about women's sports mm. and if they're so flippant with that and, and then they think they can get away with it that's just a level of cockiness that i just don't understand from a organization that has just been absolutely ridden into the ground over the last 18 months to two years for the ignorance with which they operate constantly.
2: Yeah, it, it's, it's really depressing, to be honest with you, um, especially because even more so than normal, you are at the whims of those who are meant to be taking care of you when you have to commit to a bubble-type situation, right? You don't get to make do for yourself what they don't provide, whether that's food or otherwise. When you look at the vast differences and you look at the resources being offered, and you look at how they think women should be able to just get by for the weeks that they might be in there versus the guys, it's so drastically different that there's no way to argue anything other than we don't care, we don't respect you. And again, it's not just the facilities, it's the swag bags. Now, presumably swag bags are free, and they're given to players without violating anything. It seems like sponsors and stuff. So maybe you could easily find more sponsors for the men's side. But I'm looking... And if you look at the pictures, I'll retweet it again on my page. It's John Thompson's book and a towel and a T-shirt and a sweatshirt and a bag and a bunch of different products and a 500-piece puzzle with all the merch and logo and shoes and pillowcases. And a lot of it is stuff that's just the dance, Indianapolis 2021, like logo stuff not given to you by a brand or a product. The women's side is one T-shirt, couple water bottles, a pair of socks, a couple deodorants, and that's pretty much it. The fact that even the puzzle provided by the NCAA is 150 pieces versus the puzzle on the men's side being 500. It's so silly and non-consequential, inconsequential, but it's sort of like a microcosm for the whole thing.
1: When you go to large events and say so you've been to so many of these in life too, like where you have grab bags. Uh, any sort of goodie bag that you get for attending. So much thought is put into that because Mm -hmm. you know that that's, that's a representation of the event you're throwing and the status that the event has, Mm -hmm. like the amount Mm -hmm. of fighting that happens to be included in a goodie bag. uh, at at something like the Grammys and the tax consequences for it. Like there, this is all real conversation that happens behind the scenes. They decided somewhere behind the scenes to have a conversation of, yeah, that's good enough on the women's side. Right. And we can't let that be good enough.
2: Yeah. I, 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 This sounds ridiculous, but I personally think I could have found and put together a better bag based solely on my relationships with companies than what I'm looking at in this women's. Like, it's it's that bad. And it doesn't matter. It's the principle of it. Right. It's not about the swag bag. It's about what you're telling people about the value you place on these women. And I'm so damn tired of this, man. It's just it's exhausting. Uh, Coming up. Speaking of the NCAA being absolute trash. Let's talk about college basketball players using the spotlight of the tournament to push for change and how they're doing it this time. It's next, ESPN Radio.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: One of the best things about the NCAA tournament is the platform it provides for college basketball players that you may not be seeing year-round. The opportunity to see them and see what they look like and what they might be able to be in the NBA. This is part of what draws everybody every year to the madness around March. Now, some players have decided to use that platform for something bigger than just the games that are being played right now. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance All of our guests join us on the Goodyear hotline, and we're going to go straight to that Goodyear hotline where we're joined tonight by Dan Murphy, ESPN.com writer. And, Dan, uh, we wanted to have you on because a group of college basketball players have launched a March Madness protest with a list of demands of things that they want the NCAA to start doing. So start there. I mean, with this decision to release this right before the start of the tournament, what was the goal for this group of players?
4: Hi, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Those guys, there's – And there's guys from 15 different teams. There's a few folks from from the Big Ten that seem to be leading the charge. And what they really want to do is draw attention to some of the things that they think are unfair, what the NCAA is doing. And they're asking the NCAA to redo their name, image, and likeness rules by July. And there's a lot of moving pieces going on in that conversation right now. And they also want to have meetings with Mark Emmert, meetings with federal and state lawmakers that are in. You know, have their hands in the pie there of uh, changing some of those rules, and they also said they're uh, they're keeping a close eye on a Supreme Court case that's coming up here in the next few weeks that will also uh, have a little bit of say in in what ends up happening with college sports and amateurism rules in the next uh, five, six months.
2: I think Rutgers senior guard Geo Baker sort of summed it up saying the NCAA owns my name, image and likeness. Someone on music scholarship can profit from an album. Someone on academic scholarship can have a tutor service for people who say an athletic scholarship is enough. Anything less than equal rights is never enough. I am not NCAA property. That's the meat of the message. It's something we've been arguing for a long, long time. Do you think that this matters if it does not involve any walkouts or game protests?
4: Yeah. I mean, I do. I I think it's different. As you said, you know, people have been talking about this and making those arguments for a long time, you know, going on on a decade now, but the fact that it's coming directly from players who are about to step on the court in the next day or two, I think shines an even brighter light. And I think continues to show that, that, uh, you know, we've really, you know, crossed a tipping point with this needing to change and players finding their voice and in a lot of different reasons and in a lot of different methods so far this year. So I think, that's an important piece that the players are demanding this and starting to realize the amount of leverage they have. I can tell you, I know for sure that that doesn't fall lightly when it, when it's in the, you know, in the hands of NCAA leaders or coaches who have to go out and recruit the next round of these players that have to think about how they want to talk about these issues. And, you know, it's so far. It sounds like they probably won't walk out or abandon any games, but um, you know, that, that's not totally off the table. And it's not off the table that they might do something uh, a, a little bit down that ride. Maybe wait ten minutes in the locker room and make everybody sweat it out, or find some way to draw a little bit more attention to their cause when the games are actually on TV. So um, it should be a really interesting few weeks ahead for exactly how all this stuff plays out.
1: We're talking to Dan Murphy, ESPN writer on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. So. Uh, You mentioned, I mean, the possibility of a little delay. We don't think there's going to be a walk-up. But what does the NCAA have to do proactively right now to try and prevent any of this from blowing up?
4: You know, I'm not sure that there's a whole lot that they can do, right? The players are going to say their piece. They're going to want to use this platform that they have for the next three weeks to try to continue to push for change. And the NCAA isn't going to go and change its rules tomorrow. Um, you know, I think that one of the things the players have asked for is a sit down with Mark Emmert at some point, the president of the NCAA, and I think the opportunity to talk to him might help them a little bit. Might help them think that the NCAA is is really listening to them. But I think ultimately, until the rules change, which probably is likely to happen sometime this summer, there's going to be continued pressure and continued calls for more and more types of reform.
2: It's Spain and Fitz Sarah Spain Jason Fitz talking to ESPN writer Dan Murphy about the hashtag not NCAA property. You know, I've been saying, and now it feels like I'm wrong because the last couple of years I keep saying I feel like this is the thing that's going to create a massive sea change, and it's whether it's the FBI investigations or name, image, and likeness or other things, and it feels like there's just such a dragging of feet. The NCAA seemed almost trapped in 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 a required move on NIL. And now it's it's dragged on so long. I wonder, is, is there still a feeling that that's inevitable? Or, or does it feel like they're trying to weasel their way out of even what was expected from that?
4: I mean, the change is coming, whether they're going to be dragged along or they're going to be trying to running alongside of the train that's coming right now to catch up with it. Um, I, I think, you know, by the time football season starts next year, something will be different about college sports. We're headed into a summer that will be... Uh, you know, probably the most transformative for some really important underpinnings of college sports that we've had in a generation. And the question now is who gets to decide what those rules are going to be and how much of a dramatic difference will there be, right? I think right now the NCAA is uh, pushing to try to limit that change as much as they can. And there are some really widespread ideas that go as far as like sharing revenue with players and, and reworking a lot of the control that the ncaa has over enforcement of its rules um, and then there, you know there's a whole wide spectrum of options that are out there for how this might play out and it'll be a really interesting off the court battle and chess match that's going on here in the next few months to see exactly where we're going to land by the time next season gets started
1: You said wide spectrum of ideas, Dan, and I know it feels like every state has different uh, legislation they're trying to push through. Different congressmen seem to have different things they want. How does that impact the process that there are so many cooks in the kitchen that each have an idea of what should be done?
4: Well, what it's done is it's sped up the timeline. Uh, You know, all these different states trying to come online. The first state laws will be in effect starting July 1st in the state of Florida. There's a handful of other states that are also trying to push to get something ready to go this summer too and when that's really cranked up the pressure on the ncaa that maybe thought it had a little more time to try to ease its way into this conversation that it's been easing its way into for a decade now at this point uh people in in congress realize that they want to have a national law instead of having you know 50 different states with slightly different laws where you end up having kids and recruits choosing which school they want to go to based on which state has the best NIL laws. I think that's something that almost everybody who's, who's involved here wants to try to avoid that. But um, it certainly put keeps a lot of pressure on things to happen quickly here in the next few months.
2: Dan, I'm springing this on you, but I don't know if you've seen the commentary going on now as people are reacting to the difference in the swag bags and the facilities and the food and the weights and everything. Um, I don't know if if, uh, there have been women involved in this not NCAA property or if they've been at all engaged in that part of it. But are you hearing anything about now this growing distaste with the NCAA about this other issue?
4: Yeah, I was going to start off by telling you guys I just finished my my nightly workout in the basement gym I've acquired over COVID, which is – more robust and impressive yeah. than what the entire so is women's basketball tournament. So is mine. Is I got a treadmill.
2: For. I got a Peloton. I got a bunch of weights. A bunch of. I mean, mine is literally better in my like tiny room upstairs.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to understand that how that flips through the cracks in that way. Um, but uh, yeah, I think um, you know to answer your question a little more directly, there are there have been a few women that have started speaking out and using the same hashtag, especially. I think I've seen a couple of Rutgers players specifically. Um, probably who know who know Gio Baker from from being around the same gym uh, that have taken up the same flag. It has started with the men's tournament, but I I would not be surprised at all to see it spill over into the women's tournament, too, especially as, you know, not only are they fighting for more equal rights as college athletes, but also just, just being equal to what the men's teams currently have available to them from from the benefits that they are allowed to receive right now.
1: Dan Murphy, you can follow him on Twitter at Dan Murphy ESPN. As always, Dan, we appreciate your insights, your expertise. Thanks for joining us and getting all the latest for us.
4: Yeah, great to talk to you guys. Have a good night. Thanks, Dan. Spain and Fitz
1: were brought to you by Wendy's proud sponsor of the twenty twenty one John R. Wooden Men's and Women's Player of the Year. And also the maker of the single greatest hamburger of all time, the Junior Bacon Cheeseburger. God, I want the day after the draft, mm-hmm. I'm gonna hoss up on some junior bacon cheeseburgers, like eighteen of them. Might be a slight over-exaggeration. All right, Uh, we're going to get you updated coming up next on the latest of what's happening uh, in the NCAA tournament. Plus, you guys have been telling us on Twitter, how are you watching it this year? In a strange year, at least we got a tournament. But how are you enjoying the games? How do you plan to? You let us know. And we'll get to the latest on the Deshaun Watson situation. That's all coming up next. Main on ESPN Radio.
0: You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. The starting to feel. I don't know. This week feels very good. It just
1: feels good when you're looking around and you realize that March Madness is here and somehow, some way, we got there. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. There's been a lot of conversation and we've had it on this show, Sarah, about what's right and what's wrong, what we should be doing, how to remain safe in everything that we're doing. We've always tried to be real when it comes to all things coronavirus and trying to figure out the best things that can be done around COVID 19. And We've always been transparent about what we're learning, what we're trying to figure out. So through all of that, I think it's it's nice to look around and say, hey, I don't know how we got here. I'm a little amazed. That we got here but we are at least at the spot where it looks like we're getting ncaa tournaments like we've had no uh, no teams have had to pull out because of the virus there were uh, a handful i think it was nine uh nine nine positive i'll have to look it up there were a handful of positive tests i'll look it up um but nothing that's going to slow the the tournament down is everybody's in the bubble and you know this is that moment especially over the next 24 hours where i think you just got to sort of stand at your tv look at it and say man it feels nice to feel a little bit of normal but Is it normal? Is everybody watching the normal way? Because usually we'd be ditching work tomorrow and everybody would be getting together at a Buffalo Wild Wings, drinking too much and watching a bunch of basketball. So it it feels normal, but at the same time, Sarah, it really isn't.
2: Yeah, it's it's normal -er than last year when we didn't have a tournament at all. And in addition to your enthusiasm about having a tournament and getting to this point, We also have the really great feeling of how effective the vaccine distribution has been. There are still some holes and there are still some underserved populations that are struggling to understand, you know, the technology to get signed up and everything. But for the most part, I've actually been pleasantly surprised about something relating to the pandemic for the first time since like day one of last year when it hit. Uh, I just, I feel so hopeful about how we've been able to distribute things and and the hope that later this summer we'll get really back to more normal, um, which is, which is great. As for the tournament, first of all, it's Thursday and yes, there are games happening, but it's not the first two days of the tournament like usual, right? So it's already a little different for folks. And then the fact that people have been working from home for so long that again, you know they usually have that boss button that you use so that if the boss walks by your computer <laughs> at work, you hit a button and it makes it look like you're doing some sort of spreadsheet. This year, the boss button is a Zoom full of mascots. Uh, I don't know who that's for, probably just for fun. because I don't think anyone lives, most people don't live with their bosses and most people don't need a boss button this year. They're just gonna be on the couch. And that's the message I got. I put it up um, at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. How are people watching this year? And uh, William said, I'll be on Zoom all day. Meetings muted with the TV position, so it looks like I'm actively listening, but if I get called on to speak, pull the plug on the camera, claim technical difficulties, or say the internet is down and just call into the meeting the whole day. Great idea. Gail, our, our great listener, Gail's going to sit in front of the computer and knit a sock. She's going to watch or listen yeah. while she's knitting her socks. Pretty standard like for it- Gail
1: is there some like I've, I've never knit uh, not surprising to most people like I, right. I'm not or artistic knitted. in that way at all. Right. Uh, I've, I've never knitted knit, kni- I've never tried knitting we'll go with that I know <laughs> that that's go. proper English uh, so I, I'm just curious like if you get a little surprised during the middle of a knit like does all of a sudden does something change in the sock like is there one little snag in the mm, sock or like part of the point. Part of the pattern gets a little wonky because it was a close game at the end like I, I can't imagine that like maybe that would be a good exercise for me next year during Raiders games because I would constantly rip a <laughs> part the sock <laughs> midway through and then start the knitting all over again. It could be cathartic.
2: I believe the knitting needles are not sharp, so there's not a danger of being stabbed by your needle if you uh, go rogue. But I, I believe Gail did specify she's able to knit without even looking down at the socks so she can focus Gosh. on the game. So something tells me it's automatic at this point. Um, Sandra is a uh, great great plan. She's actually in, in, involving two venues in her day of basketball watching. Very exciting uh day games from the chair in the living room and night games in the bedroom. So she's uh she's switching up the venue. Very impressive. That's really all we got, Fitz. I think very wisely people are not, you know, taking all the buddies to Vegas or going to their local B dubs. They're 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 watching from home, and it's actually the perfect activity for all we've been able to do for the last year. Sit in the couch, put on your sweatpants, Al Bundy style hand down the front and Watch the
1: basketball, you know, and and all of that seems like the right thing to do. You know, one of the things I did over the course of the last year, because of the amount of sports we do have to watch, especially for college football for me over the fall, hard to keep up with all of it. So I put a couple extra TVs in the living room. So, you know, I've, I've got, you know, three TVs in one room so I can watch a lot of things at once. I know that sounds obscene, but, you know, it's the way I did it. It, it always feels like it's going to be a great idea to have a bunch of games going on at once until you realize that you're alone in the house, and then you're like, yay! You cheer, and you realize that you're just a sad, you know, guy watching three different TVs at once. So <laughs> I, maybe I'll, I'll have to figure out some, you know... Uh, some way to steer that around so that it gets a little bit more suspenseful. Maybe I'll watch part of the game on one TV and then another part on another, so I'm just always on one television. Maybe that'll make it feel weird, weirdly. I don't know. It's hmm. just uh, Otherwise, it's maybe I'll Zoom while I do it. Maybe that's the right solution. I, I, I don't know. I mean, some way to theory- bring the community.
2: Listen, if we had our you-know-what together and we weren't so busy, we would do like a Spain and Fitz live Twitch watch party where we could interact with our fans while the games were going on, do a little Zoom, hop everybody in and have some fun. We don't have our you-know-what together. We know this. This is something we're working on maybe next year, right? Um, But I'll be impressed if I just manage to stop working long enough to watch the games. That's, that's my goal. And speaking of, um, I have to figure out my bracket strategy. I'm still undecided and the poll that we put up isn't helping. We asked, are you using the same strategy to fill out your brackets this year or going rogue because of the unprecedented nature of this NCAA season? 55% mixing it up 44% same strategy. So Hmm. it's not enough of a landslide to tell me whether or not I should just get in there and get weird.
1: Well, let me ask you this, you know, as we've had some coaches on the show over the course of the week on the women's side, do I give preferential treatment to the coaches that we've interviewed? Because I feel like I should, like, I feel guilty if I pick against a coach like Dawn Staley because she's awesome and she comes on the show. Like, I feel yeah, like that should. that's a opinion.
2: great, great squad, great squad. That's a tough one. Um, I think I it would know. probably depend on how talented. The, like if we if we get a sixteen on, I don't I don't know that you want to just take a risk on that, and set them all the way to the top.
1: Oh yeah, I mean nope. My my risks involve one seat. It's like that's that's really <laughs> is, is not that I'm risk averse at all here, but my risks involve one seats. Sane and Fitz on the ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We do want to make sure that you guys are caught up on the big news, uh, obviously of the day from the NFL side. Deshaun Watson. Uh, there isn't a, a latest development at this point, but uh, for anyone that hasn't seen it. Uh, as of now, there are nine women that have come uh, come forward uh, accusing him of sexual misconduct. That's part of three civil suits that have been filed against Deshaun Watson. We don't know at this point uh, a lot of details. And one thing that we're trying to do on the show is keep you informed with it. Make sure that you know all of the information. But not sweep, to not, uh, come to any generalizations one way or the other uh, that demean either side of this as we try and figure out exactly what's going on. That being said, there will be a conversation about how quickly they try and get details on it because, Sarah, while this is not the important thing any of us are focused on, we should at least acknowledge that this would impact any trade value that Deshaun Watson would have. So it, it seems like these things are always in the best interest to get fixed quickly, to get the information as quick as possible. But I think that knowing that the draft is at the end of April, the Texans are going to be particularly aggressive on trying to get to the bottom of everything.
2: Yeah, absolutely agree. There's a lot of very weird aspects to this story that could easily, you know, provoke someone to make generalizations or guesses. It doesn't serve anyone. And in fact, Uh, What you might not know is that there are people following you on social media and they internalize your commentary about situations like this, whether that is to automatically blame someone just because of an accusation or whether that is to victim blame and presume that someone is lying because you like the guy that they've accused. Either way, it's not a great choice for you to comment when we have so few facts. So I think we just keep uh, depending on on more information to come out and we we try to avoid the pitfalls that are so common with with uh, uh, cases like this.
1: Well, and and that's going to be the difficult portion of it is to keep you informed, but do that in a way that doesn't uh, that doesn't sort of play sides on any of this, which is what we're going to try to do. Uh, And obviously, there's going to be a lot of conversation about what it means for his trade value. We're going to continue to put what it means for all of the human beings first is that's more important. Uh, in the grand scheme of things. All right, uh, that's a that's get you caught up on that. We'll catch you up on any extra details we get in the meantime. Coming up next, Megan rapino now friend
0: of the show. She's going to join us again. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
2: Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel eighty. Don't forget to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Sometimes we do some digital only stuff. Uh, you can only get there, so check it out uh joining us now new friend of the show and uh she joined us right before the she believes cup and absolutely dominated and now i think we're probably going to give her another bump with this appearance so uh congrats megan it's megan rapido megan uh how does it feel to be done with the she believes cup and be back with the ol rain practicing
5: Oh, it's been good. It's been really good. Um, it's nice to see everyone. Um, we have a, a lot of the same faces, but but definitely a ton of new faces. Um, and this is the first time that I've worked with a, uh, with a new coach for Reed. So uh, a little bit of jitters, just kind of like getting back in there. feels like the first day of school, um, you know, laying out my, my sweatpants and my slides that I was going to drive to practice in. But overall, I'm just, you know, excited. Um, excited to get back in and uh, looking forward to playing some games back in Seattle.
1: I mean, but Megan, last time we talked to you, you were getting ready for everything that comes with Olympic qualifying. How do you balance getting ready for the NWSL season but also getting ready for the Olympics at the same time?
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me the, you know, the, the big main focus always, of, of course, is uh, the Olympics and the championship year. And, you know, just like it was with, with the World Cup. That's, that's the, you know, the, the huge goal, the chance to bring home a trophy. But it kind of goes hand in hand. I mean, I need to be fit. Um, I need to be sharp for both. Um, you know, the NWSL provides just such a competitive and amazing platform for us to continue to train at a really high level when we're away from the national team, which is exactly what we need. So um, it, it's pretty easy, to be honest. Um, it it kind of feels like coming home when we get to go, to go to our club teams. I've been here. I think this is kind of the ninth season um, that we're going into. So a lot of familiar faces and uh, really just kind of eye on the prize, continuing to Get fit, stay sharp, and uh, be ready for when summer comes.
2: Megan Rapinoe with us here on Spain and Fits. The preseason challenge cup for the NWSL starts in just under a month and then the regular season in May. Do you notice a difference since the purchase by Olympic Lyonnais of the the rain, uh, especially with you being out last year?
5: Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Uh, Excuse me. I I think it's always important to continue to level up. Uh, You know, We partnered with one of the biggest, most prestigious clubs in all of Europe, And and that is huge. Um, Not just from a financial standpoint, but, uh, you know, just from an expertise standpoint, how to run a club, how to be successful. Obviously, the the women's team and the men's team at Lyon, um, you know, perennial in the Champions League and winning the league and winning the French Cup. And, you know, with that comes um, just a lot of knowledge that I think we can share. And obviously the the financial boost um, is going to be huge. And listen, if any of these Lyon players want to be coming over here and playing, (laughs) they can all come.
2: Oh yeah. I heard Ada would be interested in the Red Star so we'll have her we would be happy no to, I don't think I think
5: Chicago is too cold for her she's probably going to want to come to really sunny Seattle and it has
2: begun <laughs> yeah let's just acknowledge the
1: exactly. solid flex there as Sarah says we'll have her because y- y- you know let's acknowledge Sarah now a part of the ownership group for the Chicago Red Star so Megan like here I am sitting between two epic incredible women and I really have nothing to offer to this conversation but I will at least ask you this Megan if you could give Sarah advice <laughs> for a new ownership part of an ownership group coming into a team what
5: advice would you give an owner you got to spend money to make money that's what yes. i would say you got to yes. spend money to be <laughs> successful that's really what it is i mean i think that you know in all seriousness i mean congratulations on your ownership Thank stake you. i think that's awesome i love what so many NWL teams are doing um and just kind of changing the the ownership structure and changing the ownership model i think it's incredible um But it is. It's like, you You know, if you if you want to be the best, um, you know, the players should have the best. They should have the best facilities and play in the best places and have the best medical treatment and all of that kind of stuff. And and just continue to find ways to to level up and make it more professional and make it as good as it can possibly be. Um, And I think also like focus on it being an, an entertainment business. I think that's what American sports does so well so often you look at the nba or uh the nfl i think what the wnba did last year was amazing um you know kind of coupling uh the sort of you know off-field social stuff with the progress obviously women in sports um you know there's so much that we can do around that but also like we're fun to watch and make Mm -hmm. it a fun environment for people to come and you know hang out with their friends or hang out with their family and you know get a drink or get something to eat and watch a really amazing entertainment event
2: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, And I've been saying that for years up until this opportunity, so I'm not changing my tune now that I'm on the ownership side of things. I'm going to hold myself accountable. Megan Rapinoe with us, star of the OL Reign and, of course, U.S. Women's National Team getting ready for the NWSL season and the Olympics this summer. You mentioned the equal pay um, and and the fight for women, female athletes uh, to get what they deserve. There's a new HBO Max documentary (laughs) Entitled LFG, I think we all know what that stands for. Can't say it here on Disney. Um, talking about the fight for equal pay and doing some of the coverage, going back and reflecting on the World Cup win. Tell me about that, and and more more broadly, I guess, where is that fight currently?
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I'll start with the uh, with the documentary. I hope it's really a, a curtain pullback on what it actually is and how it actually looks and feels. To be in a litigation over equal pay, um, it, it certainly takes a lot of time and energy, um, you know, emotionally and mentally. Um, it takes a lot of coordination with our, you know, incredible legal team and with our advisors and just within the team. Um, so hopefully, it's it's kind of a look at you know just how difficult um, a fight like that is, and honestly, just how unnecessary. I think about all the money and the time and energy and human capital that we have, frankly, just wasted on this fight when we could be putting it into progressive initiatives. We could be putting it into, um, you know, solving some of the problems in in U.S. soccer's youth system or identifying talent or continuing to grow both teams and the federation, um, you know, to be the absolute best that we possibly can be. So hopefully we kind of get a look at, uh, not only what it's taken, but, you know, the the possibility if we get this right moving forward, how exciting uh, and how groundbreaking that can be. In terms of where we are right now, um, it's going to the appeals, uh, probably, I think it's going to the Ninth Circuit. So we settled on a few non-compensation claims, uh, a few lifestyle claims like, you know, airplanes and hotel rooms and travel and stuff like that. And now um, in the appeals process, we'll be going for really what is the crux of of the litigation, which is the compensation, uh, both, you know, looking back, uh, back pay compensation, but also how do we structure this deal going forward so that we can all be proud of it, stand up there together and, and ensure that nothing like this ever happens again and that we set up a structure to where we're paid equally and fairly with the men's team. And honestly, I feel like if they're underpaying us, I've been saying this. They're probably underpaying the men as well. So I think we should get to a deal that makes sense for for everybody.
1: Megan, you guys are doing a great job of obviously paving the road for future generations. It's Women's History Month. When you look back at your life, is there a woman that stands out that you want to acknowledge that has been a great helper, mentor for you?
5: I mean, always my mom. Uh, You know, she's, she's just incredible in so many ways. I feel like she was so ahead of her time without really having the language to to put on it or the language that we have now. Uh, So always my mom. Um, But, you know, all the amazing female athletes that really paved the way. It's like, you know, am I here without like Billie Jean King and without Mia Hamm and Julie Fowdy and uh, you know, without Serena Williams and uh, you know, so many athletes that, you know, took just basically so much BS for so long and just didn't accept it um, and always fought for better, always left the game, um, or the sport that they were playing in a better place and, and really provided, um, a sort of roadmap the best that they could for us. I always think about that. Like my path has been so much easier because of all these women that came before. And so, you know, my, my main goal is really to make sure that the path that, you know, I clear for the ones coming behind me is, is obviously as clear as it can be and, and so much easier than what I had coming up.
2: It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN radio, talking to the great Megan Rapino as we get ready for the NWSL season to start. As we look ahead to the Olympics, let's talk Olympics quickly. What are your concerns about safety? If you have any, or are you just excited and think uh, from what you've heard, it's, it's ready to go.
5: Oh, I have all the concerns about safety all the time. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to get COVID. I don't want one more person yeah. um, to be affected by COVID. Great. It's obviously so terrible. Um, I mean, I, th- I think that the, the new Biden administration has done an amazing job um, at getting their hands around at least the vaccine rollout. Um, it's, you know, he just said the other night that, uh, at least in the U.S., I think by May 1st, everybody will be eligible to get it. It seems like we're going to have enough doses. I hope worldwide that people uh, will get vaccinated, and I hope athletes and, and coaches and the support staff around Olympic athletes uh, we'll get vaccinated, so so we can do our sport. Um, so we can, you know, try to get off this incredible, you know, world event that's going to take coordination from every country that's going there, and the IOC, and, and so many different partners. So I'm really optimistic. Um, I think, you know, especially with the the sort of latest. You know, vaccine information and the the ability for so many people to get it. I'm really optimistic that we'll be able to, you know, train in the right way, and that Olympic athletes will be able to train in the right way to put us in a position uh, to put on a good show once it comes to comes to the Summer Games.
1: Now, Megan, part of the reason you're here with us today is you partnered with Schmidt's deodorant <laughs> to take on phobo, the fear of body odor. Tell us about it, but also I got to ask, what teammate needs like a whole year supply? Like, who's the stinkiest <laughs> teammate you got, Megan? <laughs> Throw somebody under the bus. <laughs>
5: Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, pure body armor. I feel like we all have it. And it was, you know, honestly, uh, a huge, I feel like, deterrent for me going to a natural deodorant before. It was like my last holdout. Like, I'm I'm very conscious of what I put in my body and on my body and, you know, the way that I train and all of that. And I was uh, kind of holding out. But I, I've put it to the, the ultimate test, I think, which is, you know, in training gear and in training every day and in dry fit material um, it actually does work. It keeps you from smelling. Um, it, it's really nice. So I feel like, you know what, everybody could use it. So I think I'm going to make sure that my locker room is stocked full of Schmidt's and um, everybody has a, a natural, uh, better way to smell nice in the locker room.
2: You know, she gets asked a lot about whether she would consider politics after her career, and it's clear she's already doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's pivoting <laughs> like, a, like a seasoned politician there, avoiding the question. Uh, well, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you're welcome for the bump that you're going to get at the start of the NWSL season as a result of yet again talking to us. And we look forward to regular appearances to keep that scoring average up.
5: Exactly, exactly. I'm going to have to be a, a weekly contributor now, and absolutely, when we play Chicago Red Stars, I'm going to be on those, that, on that those, radio show like weeks. three times a week.
1: <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and stir the weeks. pot, y'all. I'm just going to make sure, I'm just going to stir things up.
5: Oh, stir thanks, it up. Megan. Nice stir to talk
2: to you. <laughs> thanks, well, thank Megan. you guys. Uh, I stepped in it. I don't want her to come on when she's going to be playing my Red Stars. we got to stay away from that. Uh, it's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, and Jason Fitz coming up. We'll finish off the night with a little more March Madness talk. It's next.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
2: It is underway, and it's underway already with a one point victory to kick things off. Drake beating Wichita State 53 52. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Fiend Raiders presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Yeah, March Madness is here. It's weird. It's weird that it's a Thursday night that we've got these uh, first four games going on. And it, and it's weird to try to think about, um, you know, going into a tournament where, listen, Fitz, I am never an expert on college basketball. There's too much to watch. There's too many other things to talk about. I usually get hot right around the time that the tournament starts. But more so than ever, I feel like I'm going in blind, that what I've seen might not mean much of anything. And a lot of people, it seems, feel the same way. They're kind of like, let me take a flyer on some of these deeper seeds because COVID or otherwise might disrupt the favorites.
1: I think that this point becomes a spot where the one easy thing that we can all decide on going into the tournament is that Gonzaga is easy and fun to root for. Like, that's the only thing that I can take (laughs) out of all of this. Like, when you talk about a team that's coming in undefeated and has the chance to do something that hasn't been done since, I think it was 1976 with Indiana, and you talk about the amount of hype we usually give a team that comes in undefeated and a team that has genuine NBA prospects, like, if there's an easy thing for all of us to do when we look at our brackets, when we watch, the one sure thing seems to be Gonzaga. That being said... I still struggled when I did my bracket to think, wow, it can't be that simple. Like, I think we become so used to massive upsets that it, we, it can't be that simple becomes part of the mindset of putting together a bracket when, in fact, maybe if there's ever been a year to either go completely chalk or go completely against it, it's like in blackjack when they say you either hit or you don't hit on 16, like that's your personal rule. Like This feels like you got to make the rule. I'm going chalk or I'm going anti-chalk. There's no in-between.
2: I agree with you on a number of things, except to say that, like, if you're trying to pick that chalk is at least easier, because when you try to go upset, what I find is the worst is when I'm like, I'm going to go with this 12, and it's the wrong 12, right? There's another (laughs) upset, but it wasn't the one that I went for, and now the whole thing's ruined because the upset I had didn't happen, and now that favorite is going all the way, and I just have that red all the way across my bracket, um... There's that. There's also Gonzaga is fun to root for. And Gonzaga feels like if you're going to have a year where someone's going to go undefeated and win it all, it's going to be a year like this where, you know, the the cream rises to the top more so than any other. Um, But the fact that we so rarely see that and the fact that it is so difficult, I am of the opinion and a lot of people don't buy this. In fact, sometimes people scoff at the idea that a good team needs to face adversity. I 100% buy into that theory. I remember in recent years watching the years where UConn women were undefeated for seasons plus at a time and didn't win at all because you pucker up if you're not used to being in a tight game. If you've been winning games by 20 points every week and most of your starters are sitting, you just don't have the muscle memory of down to crunch time, how are we executing— Let's not panic. We've been here before. And that's what worries me the most about Gonzaga.
1: You know, that's a, a, a fair point. I, I tend to give Gonzaga a little bit of a benefit of the doubt because they've been good for a while. But you are it's absolutely right. all different right. players, right? It, yeah, a thousand percent. And, you know, if I want to use the you've been there for a while, sort of they've been there before, there is a shot that Gonzaga could be playing Virginia, which I keep jokingly saying, even though there's only a couple of guys left. Virginia is the defending national champion. It just doesn't feel like it. you know. I think Gonzaga got a little bit of, of help from the committee uh, in the sense that their bracket feels to me like it's a lot easier. I have a hard time trying to figure out Michigan, for example, who gets a one seed, and at times this year, Jawan Howard has had them looking like they are absolute monsters. They have some injury issues. They have some COVID issues. All of these things uh, tackled together. And suddenly I'm looking at Michigan trying to figure out like why we aren't higher on them. Those are the types of teams that I think it's really hard to figure out. Like uh, Gonzaga and Baylor were consistently so good through so much of the year. That feels like it's a little easier. It's the Michigans and Illinois and Ohio Mm -hmm. states of the world that are tougher for me to figure out.
2: Yeah. I was feeling great about Michigan. And then, (laughs) and then Pablo Torre, I believe picked Michigan against whoever to lose. You know how he always has to pick his 16 seed. uh, That's Uh going to win. He went with Michigan getting bounced this year. Um, not that I should make any major life decisions based on Pablo. I mean, I think that that's clear. Um, uh,
1: that is that is abundant. By the way, do you have an allegiance to, like, because I know you did the bachelor yeah, to get I, yeah, Michigan as your but college football. I, but- I do,
2: but not enough to, like, just be blindly representing that squad, even if I don't think they should go far. I've got them. I've got them going deep. I don't have them winning any of mine, at least as okay. of now. But like I said, I might still fiddle. I might still have a little fiddling to do. Hey, speaking of the top of the show, uh, which we weren't, but now I am, because that was a good transition. Um, You mentioned that people would not, (laughs) I've done a lot of work today and my brain is broken and I only have to make it for like two more minutes before I just really shut it down for the night. But um, at the top of the show, we were talking about how people don't have to get vasectomies solely so they can stay home and watch hoops because local radio, especially, it's constant barrage of, you know, Illinois vasectomy clinics offer you an opportunity to have an excuse to sit at home with a sack of peas on your... I was going to phrasing anyway, a bag of peas on your mm-hmm. lap. And yeah. I just noticed that David Fleming, who's always writing interesting and quirky columns for .com, has a story up yet again about, Oh, it's an old one. It's from, it's from years ago, but they brought it back around for this year. The story about all the different men that get vasectomies around the term If you've never read it, it's very funny and clever and real. It is a very real thing that urologists have reported increases across the country in the days leading up to the NCAA tournament, as men wisely decide if I'm going to sit around the house, I'm going to do it while I watch hoops.
1: I mean, I, I can't blame the logic behind it, by the way. And uh, if I had a nickel for it, I just had to make it two more minutes I, th- th- through the entirety. <laughs>
2: That's <laughs> what he said. <laughs>
1: Oh, man, uh, we have gone completely off the rails at this yeah. point. Uh, look, there are a lot of reasons. Like, I'd rather go with the, you know, like, fake reason to be out of, of work
2: for a day or two. Like, there's right. got to be a better excuse
1: you can <laughs> give other than the snip-snip. Like, the snip-snips, it seems like a drastic a way to go.
2: Snip-free option. Just yeah. food poisoning. Right. Don't ask don't. any questions, right? <laughs> at least right now, if you are someone who works in an office and they're trying to get you to come in, you could be like, I woke up with a sore throat and, and some aches and pains, and I just don't want to take any chances on the COVID Right?
1: Oh, yeah. Close contact tracing. You just say somebody you know. That's there it. There you go.
2: There you go. I mean, like. Also, I hate basketball. What do you mean it's basketball tournament? Florida State head coach Leonard Hamilton tomorrow morning. See ya.
0: Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.